Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is season six, episode 47, and I'm your co-host, Coach P. And I'm your co-host, Key. And we're really excited about today's show. We have a special guest in the studio with us today. He is a life coach, so you know there will be a lot of gems being dropped throughout the episode, and it won't be coming from Coach P. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and through his company, The Catalyst Credo, he supports organizations and individuals on achieving their goals and ultimate success. He is an associate certified coach under the International Coaching Federation. He's a husband and a father of two beautiful little girls. And I personally have had the great pleasure of working with him over a year. And I'd like to welcome to the show my good friend Josh Klein. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. That was a beautiful introduction and, and also a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> How's it going today, Josh? Good. Really good. It's awesome to be here. Uh, I feel like I remember when you started this podcast. Yeah. So six seasons. So that's wild. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool. Still going strong. Exactly. Even though <laughs> Kiana's tried to kill me and knock me out of the show a few times. Oh, but let's not put that on the air. I want to go to Rikers. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love here. Somewhat. I think that's how it goes. That's Maybe how it goes. You know, working, to, you know, when you work with people. <laughs> right. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's just dive right into this, Josh. Yes. So, um, when did you first know you wanted to become a life coach? So about four and a half years ago, I was in between jobs and I was networking a lot. And I, it, it, through that networking, met somebody and I was just like, well, what is this that you're up to? What's this company mm-hmm. that you've got going on? And he's like, I'm a coach. Are you familiar with coaching? And I'm like, not really. This guy gave me a free session, not even for like... Not even to see if I like wanted to hire him. He basically just wanted me to have this experience, and I was like, "Okay, how'd you get trained for this?" And he's like, "Oh, this program." And I was like, "Okay, I'm <laughs> sign me up." So I did the the program that this guy did, and so I really sort of never looked back. I, n- I not only love the conversation, but just love like the way he was. I loved his his lifestyle. Uh, so I guess sort of the combination of the two. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is it for me." Okay. And what inspired you to explore this profession aside from that? I always wanted to work with people. So, you know, I moved to New York um, 11 years ago and I... From where? From Baltimore. Okay. From Baltimore. So I always, I you know, I love Baltimore, but I always used to love visiting here. My parents, you know, met here, you know, 30, 40 years ago. 40 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago, I was alive. So <laughs> 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago, they met here. And we always used to come visit. And yeah, I just always wanted to live here. So I moved up here and I worked in television because I love. I also love uh, the entertainment field. So I got a job as a production assistant. And I, like it never really mattered to me the content like that we put out. I just enjoyed working with other people. Yeah. And then from there, I was like, Okay, well, if I love working with people, I want those people to be the clients, to be the customers, because yeah. I don't, I don't get to see who watches the shows that I work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I went through it. You know, I did real estate, I did sales. It was just sort of this this figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like, and then eventually, when I met a coach, I was like, Bing, like yeah. that's it. Like that's the this is the conversation I want to have with people. Not just work with people, like really, really work with people. Have them be vulnerable. Have me be vulnerable. So. Okay. Yeah, that's really what, sort of how that happened. I, I like how you said when you met that coach, how you were intrigued by his lifestyle. Can you just speak a little bit about what that lifestyle was and like how you've been able to cultivate that for yourself? Sure. So it's not just his lifestyle, and, and you know what I'm talking about. It was his being. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I work on with people is not just what they need to do. Like, oh, you need to do this. I need to do. I need to do this, Josh. I need to do that. It's our being. It's our being that informs our doing. So like, when you meet someone and and it's just the way they are. It's not what they say or the nature of the job. Like, it's that's what attracts you. That's what is enrolling. When you're dating, I mean, geez, when you're dating, it's not the things they say. It's just their. I don't know what else to call it besides their being. So this guy's being was almost. It wasn't even. it's what informed the conversation that he had. It was the way that he spoke to me that I was able to be like, yeah. And I was like, really like, yes, this is it. And that's what I bring to is being a coach. It's not just like these things that they train us on. It's how can I be my best? How can I show up 
you know, at my absolute best for others, yeah. right? So that's it. It wasn't just his lifestyle. Yes, this guy has a level of freedom, right? So I have a level of freedom being a coach. I work from home. I have my own home office. It's that uh, lifestyle and access to freedom that really w- was intriguing, combined with making a difference for other people. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. I love it. So when me and Josh work together, one thing I just loved about your presence, your being, you're very calm. And we used to work in the mornings. And sometimes I'd wake up and I would just have, like, my stress levels would be at peak first thing in the morning. (laughs) And I'm just like, I I don't know. I can't do this. And Josh would always tell me, like, you got to focus on the being that you're bringing to the conversation and to whatever you're dealing with because that being is what's going to give you access to different actions. So I would, coming from stress, scarcity, being scared of things, and that just limited the way I was able to attack and just handle those issues. So I'm really glad to hear you speak on that. So did he inspire you to be a life coach as well? I got introduced to Josh through a friend, a mutual friend on Facebook. I was posting some, some quotes online and she asked me, do you do coaching? And I'm like, no, but that would be really cool. And she's connected me and Josh. And after speaking, you gave me a free session and just really just helped me understand, like in terms of just integrity. If you want to be a coach, if you want to work with people, you need to have your own coach, actually have that experience, see what that relationship is like so you can bring that authenticity into that relationship. So us working together, it was primarily around me trying to build a coaching business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say he wanted to do it before meeting <laughs> me and I guess maybe I was sort of a uh, you could say a catalyst yeah. for for <laughs> for him to continue that pursuit and we just did something before we even started this before you even clicked record. Yeah. As a support structure for bringing the being. Like if yeah. you didn't just if we didn't just have that moment yeah. before we started this this could go totally differently. Yeah. So we put structures in place, a coaching session, maybe even just exercise. I mean, yeah. we could t- well, we can get into that, but there's things that we put in a place that it, it has nothing to do with anything we do. It just yeah. informs our being. It supports our being so as to inform whatever it is we're about to do. Because if we bring some blah version of ourselves, yeah. you know, to do that thing, whatever it is that we're going to do, a podcast, mm-hmm. whatever our job is, you know, yeah. whatever... It just it's it just won't be effective. No, it's true. That's definitely true. Um, you identify as a father and a coach. Can you tell us a bit about your family and what lessons you have learned in fatherhood? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I've been married for six years to my smart and beautiful wife, Jessica. Shout out to Jessica. Congrats I'm on going be- strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six doing years a- is a lifetime. Yeah. Seems <laughs> like it? it to millennials, at least, who are dating. <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It does seem like a while. It's, it, it's twofold. It sometimes seems like yesterday and then sometimes seems like <laughs> seems yeah. like forever. Mm-hmm. But um. But yeah, so uh, it, it, it's um, yeah, it's been fantastic. It's such an adventure, especially now that we have two little girls. So yeah. I have a four and a half year old. She's four and a half today. Oh, she's Ooh, a Virgo. Happy, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Is she? I'm a Virgo, and so I love this. I need no, to meet no, her. no. She's four and a half today, so oh. she's a Pisces. Oh, yeah. Today's she, her half birthday. It's half. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that. Sorry, ah, damn, I was getting so excited. <laughs> sorry I was like, about we got that. Another Virgo. She's a Pisces. <laughs> okay, she's, she's good too. That's good. Yeah. She's yeah. we have the same birthday. Oh, wow. okay. That's awesome. So she okay. was born on my on my uh so today's my oh. 34 and a half birthday. She was born <laughs> okay. on my 30th birthday. Okay. So we're Pisces, whatever that means. What does that mean if you're a Pisces? I don't know with Pisces. I, I know Virgos really well. So Pisces, I'm not really sure of. I can't speak to that. Pisces are crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other daughter is Noah, and she'll be three in December. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, Charlie and Noah. Okay. Um, what was the question? Oh, so what have I learned being yeah. a dad? Um, so I think one of the things I learned is just that all kids are different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to say like, oh, girls are easy now and then they get more difficult when they're older <laughs> and, then, and boys are difficult now and then they're easy when they're older. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm in this like preschool community and like just some, gr- some girls are difficult. Some boys are like, yeah. it's. People are people, yeah. and and kids are kids, and so one. Put life is short. Yeah. The, you know when we talk about like oh six years is a lifetime, 
with my kids, I feel like that they were just babies. Okay. Um, So like they are, yes. (laughs) But I mean like literal infants. Okay. And so especially in the in the world we live, we use our phones every second of the day to put our phones down to just be in the moment. Be that whole be in the moment thing. I mean, obviously, apply that everywhere. It's hard. (laughs) It's very hard. With children, I find it's like, that's when I'm like, okay, I really need to put my phone down. Like, I really need to like, so just to model to them that like, I don't need to be on my phone all the yeah. time. Because then they're going to see me and be like, oh, I need to be on, I, uh, when I'm older, I'm going to be on the phone all the time too. Yeah. Like, no, they, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to model that. But I I just want to experience, you know, the, the time with them and really soak it up. Um, that's really... Um, a huge thing that I've learned. And I guess, I guess advice that I could give, um, is to just, you know, be with them because these kids are just so fun and they're so pure and, and hilarious and just innocent and (laughs) delicious. They're like, they're just so, they're so raw and so fun and, and like no filter raw, no filter (laughs) raw. (laughs) And even, even the, you know, the, yeah, their their emotions are raw. They don't, you know, they don't know how to internalize certain things. And it's just like to really talk about being like a coach and just being with another person, listening to another person. Mm-hmm. You know, with kids, it's really just trying to to get them and to understand them and to be sympathetic to them because they don't know any better. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so in, in what ways have your kids influenced your coaching career? So they remind me to bring the joy and the play Uh. to, you know, to what I'm up to before becoming a coach, before anything. Like the one thing I always knew is that I wanted to be a dad. And when I work with people, um, you know, or not even just when I work with people, just in general, growth is a basic like human need we all need to grow very true and if we don't then we're then the lack of growth is death you know it's and how it feels is depression really Mm -hmm. so growth is so important but growing up I don't think you need to (laughs) I don't think you need to I don't think you need to grow up that's me that's my own personal outlook so I love to insert a level of joy and a level of play and lightness that I think my kids help remind me of as I get older that I don't I need to grow but I don't need to grow up yeah okay I love that distinction I feel like it's very important like as adults we lose like all that energy kids have and just are they're curious about everything they're just exploring like and like you said just being able to play their imaginations are constantly running wild and I love how you just broke that down there's a difference between growth and growing up because sometimes I I forget like wait I'm gonna be 30 next year I'm like I'm in adulthood <laughs> like yeah. sometimes the way I'm just so playful and acting silly I'm just like wait am I, should I be doing this <laughs> like I, yeah. I have to I have to take a second and I'm like wait no this is who I am like this is how I love to be just nothing's wrong with that just because not everyone subscribes to that totally. I I think you know you hear like adulting like a verb like being an adult <laughs> yeah. as a verb like oh this is adulting like which, <laughs> yeah because like people don't want to maybe it's a millennial thing like I don't I don't know but I I think I think that is a distinction that you know that that we can still maintain a level of play a level of you know a level of 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 childhood innocence. And integrate that into being an adult and yeah. growing. Okay. Um, so that I, I guess that's what it, what it looks like. I'm um, glad you mentioned that. So, can you speak to um, what is your coaching philosophy? My coaching philosophy. Yeah. Um, I think that what people, the lives that people want to have, it's possible and available for them. Yeah. And people have these excuses and and. Uh, I have excuses. We we all have these excuses that sabotage the life that we want to have. Joy and play and love, it's available for all of us mm-hmm. if we choose to have it. Yeah. If we choose to have it. So there's choice in that. Yeah. It's not only possible, it's available. Okay. 
When you speak to all of us having excuses, which is very true in terms of being human beings, at what point is one excuses, or how they live their life of having a lot of excuses, worse than another person? Because if we all have excuses, at what point do we say, okay, that's ex- that's okay at some point, but then at other points it's like it's too excessive? Am I asking this right? Well, what do you mean? By, what, what do you mean by that? Like, because what? you're saying that we all have excuses as human beings as to why we can't propel moving forward, depending on what we're doing in our lives, which is true. But as a life coach, can you speak to like what advice do you give to your clientele pertaining to excuses? Like, at what point does okay, that's enough? You have to stop, let that go, move forward, and be able not to let these excuses hold you back. Or when are excuses okay, but then they're not okay? Because you just said we all have excuses, which is true. Yeah. I get on PR about that. I, I'm tired of excuses. I need you to get to it. <laughs> like, I'm so serious. So I just sure. want to get some clarity well, th- for myself. Well, sure. In that way, I mean, you almost just define the line of okayness. Like, what, what does it mean for something to be okay or not? Okay. So, essentially, someone hires me when it's not okay anymore. Okay. Um, They've crossed some threshold where this is like they're not okay with it. Yeah. They're not having progress. They're not achieving the results that they want to have. Something's not working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. So really excuses are okay yeah. if you're okay with not achieving. Don't like, get excited you know. over that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a concept of what works and doesn't work. You know, we can put all this judgment. On. Okay sounds like judgment. Yeah. If this is okay or it's not okay. Well, you know, whose judgment is that? Yours? Society's? Yeah. Your friends? Your family's? Mm-hmm. If it's breaking down a relationship, the two of you have a relationship. Yeah. And if he's making excuses, if you're making excuses, and it's sabotaging your connection mm-hmm. or this beautiful thing that you're trying to achieve, then it's not working. So yeah. that's when you get triggered or he gets triggered and you're like, hey, this is not okay. You are making excuses for this or for that or whatever so it's really it's very really subjective okay you know um does that make sense no it does i'm just glad you spoke to it in terms of excuses because you said everyone has it which is true i just wanted to know at what point is the breaking point but like you said when it stopped working because there are people out there Listen closely, Pierre. <laughs> Who would like live <laughs> off of that? They <laughs> will live off of and think it's okay, especially when it comes to personal relations and business. But at what point is it like a breaking point? But I'm glad that you spoke to that because I'm not perfect. I have excuses here and there, but I don't live off of that. I'm just like, listen, this is not this is not it. I got to follow through on what I need to do. I try not to let that intervene in what me achieving my goals. Well, it sounds like there's one thing specifically. Or like maybe, uh, or just something that comes up consistently. So those are things like in the coaching conversation, in the coaching conversation, we like, it's something to notice. Yeah. Like for me, what can an excuse be for me? Um, uh, my kids, someone, you know, for someone to, to make it here, to make it there, to be, you know, I'm, I'm on dad duty after five. Okay. You have a set Dinner, schedule. dinner, baths bedtime, whatever those rituals are, right? So if someone's like, oh, you know, I I don't really schedule anything there so that if I miss, you know, if I miss something in the evening, I'd use the excuse, oh, my kids. And that's a pretty juicy excuse. Most of the time people are like, oh, it's all good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He said it's a juicy excuse. But like technically, it's an excuse. It is. And if I'm committed to something, if I have committed to something, there's a breakdown no matter how, and they may even know my kids are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they didn't get a nap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Story, 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 story. You know, a lot of times excuses, another word for them is story. We have some story yeah. about whatever that excuse is, whatever that circumstance is. And it's, it, and it's, it's juicy for us mm-hmm. and it's juicy for other people sometimes. And so uh, forgive me if I use like coaching phrases it's over the fine. course of this concept of enrollment i throw this word around enrolling enroll enrollment all the time so i am enrolled in this excuse of my children and then other dads or moms or maybe even people that don't have kids but they just like have an understanding of it yeah they will be enrolled in my excuse and they will let me off the hook because i've let myself off the hook and they will let me off the hook as well but the truth is it's an excuse no matter how cute and fun my kids are and or if people know that they misbehave Mm -hmm. or whatever like oh yeah kids they misbehave right like yeah doesn't matter it's still 
technically an excuse and I haven't met whatever commitment I had to call somebody or, or get, you know, whatever that thing is. But mm -hmm. to avoid that, I don't schedule anything after five. Yeah. <laughs> so I just put that in place. People are like, oh, can we talk at like 8 p.m.? I'm like, nope. Yeah. Because what if my daughter, who usually goes to bed at 7, 7.30, had a rough day and she's not going to fall asleep till like 8, 8.30? Valid point. You know, so I just can't, I don't even put anything there. I just have that in place. So I am theirs. and You're fully committed yeah. off of your phone. Off of yes, my phone, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so oftentimes people hear life coaching and they think it's the same as working with a therapist. Can you explain to our audience what's the difference between coaching and therapy? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, the, di the distinction I like to make between the two um, is that Therapy sort of lives in the past. You go to a therapist if there's some healing, there's some sort of burden, something that you are dealing with. Maybe there's some chemical imbalance uh, mentally and emotionally. You go to a therapist. This person has gone to either is a doctor or has gone to some sort of graduate school to really deal with something that, albeit happening currently, a lot of the conversation exists in the past. A coach the conversation, the coach conversation really is in the present and the future. That's not to say that we can't talk about the past. That's not to say that coaching isn't therapeutic, like you leave yeah. the coaching call feeling better. Yes. But it's really sort of, what are you up to? What are you working towards? Okay. Um, an analogy I like to make is that on the physical level, if you're injured, you go to a doctor. If you're injured, you go to a doctor. You, bra you break a bone, you hurt something. You go to a doctor. If you are sort of healed or yeah. whole, um, but you just want to get stronger or achieve some sort of physical wellness goal, yeah. you hire a personal trainer. Yeah. They are not a doctor. They have not gone to graduate school, but they have been trained uh, in the human body and mm -hmm. how to make you stronger and how to, mm -hmm. how to notice the... Uh, the muscles that are weaker yeah. because um, a lot of us like to go to the gym and we like to work the muscles that are easy for us <laughs> yeah. and we don't and we want to avoid the muscles that we're not good at. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> if you see where I'm getting with mm -hmm. this in the mental and emotional world, if there is an injury, if there is healing needed, you go to some sort of therapist. Yeah. But if you don't have that and you just are working on Whatever that is in your life, some sort of goal, whether that's business or personal or both, mm -hmm. you just want to move items in your life forward. Yeah. And you're really good at something. You're not really good at another thing. You're really focused. You always focus on that strong muscle. Yeah. But you avoid that weak muscle that you don't want to talk about. That's where you go to a coach for so that you can move all these items forward in your life, whatever that breakdown is in your life, if it's personal or business. So that's the analogy I like to make. Okay. It's a little long-winded. No, it's fine. Does it makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, speaking of, what challenges and obstacles have you faced in your journey in becoming a life coach that you are today? So I find coaching to be really easy. That was also part of why I jumped into this because it felt when I first became a coach and jumped into this world is because I knew I could do it. Yeah. I was like, this is it because this makes sense to me and these conversations make sense and and this is it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just the fit. This is the missing puzzle piece. So that part was easy for me. But owning my own business, being an entrepreneur, that's the weak muscle. Yeah. <laughs> that's If the coaching part is the strong muscle, I still work on that a little bit. But, like, it's really the being an entrepreneur. I used to relate to being an entrepreneur as as a bone. Either, <laughs> either you have it or you don't have this it. This is true. You, know, you meet these entrepreneurs, these people who just want to start businesses, business after business after business. <laughs> they just have it in them, right? Yeah. These, these Gary Vaynerchuks of the world. Yeah. You know, they just like, this is what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And either you have it or you don't. So like, uh, as of recently, becoming a coach, I've started to relate to the entrepreneurial not a not an entrepreneurial bone, but an entrepreneurial muscle. So that's a muscle that I actively work because okay. I never started a business. I never, I even related to it as a bone. I was like, well, either you have it or you don't have it, and yeah. I don't have it. Like yeah. that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, it's just how we relate to it. 
and you can and I mean you meet these people who are just born with it and yeah. kudos to them but we all have the capability to to do this you know if this is something we want to do that we can do it so that's something I actively work on because that's that's a leadership skill. You yeah. know, what do I want to do with this aspect of my business? What do I want to do with that aspect? How do I just go for it? Yeah. You know, what do I need to what do I need to do or who do I or who do I need to be? Yeah. And just put it out there. But do you think I'm glad you spoke to this entrepreneurial bone. <laughs> um just muscle. Muscle, sorry about that. <laughs> just to kind of bring it in in terms of do you think that's inherently due to the fact that how some of us was raised in the school system because we were never trained to be entrepreneurs. It's always I want to be a doctor, a dentist, like those career, like set careers that are put in place, salaries that you're going to get um, and whatever the case may be. But to be an entrepreneur, to, to stand out and to kind of venture out on your own. I mean, I wasn't taught that in school growing up, even to college to some extent. So do you think that plays a part in why a lot of us don't venture off into that? Or do you feel like it's innately you have to have that bone? So I think it's both. I think there are people who are born with it. It's nature. Okay. They're born with it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I don't know about you, but P, you're a big fan of Gary Vee, right? Yeah. 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 He's awesome. <laughs> so he's off the bell curve, like just something else. Like yeah. He's, he's in like, a lane by himself. Yeah. So, okay. But he talks about like what you're talking about, how this isn't, he didn't do well in school and they didn't have an offering for him yeah. that would access what he's good at. Okay. You know, he's like, he was like a little kid and he would have yard sales and make yeah. like a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. They don't teach you that and they should. And he's like, I want to start a school that's only that. Yeah. So that if you have a kid who doesn't do well in school, but has that sort of mind, send him to that school. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think there's a ton of things that we don't teach kids besides that. You know, yes. there's a ton of things that they don't learn, you know, how to, there's so much that I do that I went to college. Like I went yeah. to a private school. I went to college. There's so many things that they don't teach. They don't teach you how to network. Yeah, this is true. They don't teach you. There's just so many things. Yeah. Um, and it, these are things that you have to learn in addition. Not that what they teach isn't valuable, but yeah. it needs to be more. There needs to be a whole. I mean, we could talk about the educational system, but it's like there needs to be more offerings that are more suited to different types of kids. And, yeah. and it's it's um, as opposed to just like one this is it. And either you either you do this or you don't, and yeah. and then we're graded on it. And what does that mean, right? <laughs> that it's true. like the the SATs or just these standardized yeah. systems. And some people are better than, uh, at other that things. Other. So yeah. I I think it's both. You know, if you grow if you grow up in a family and your and, and your dad or your mom um, is an entrepreneur, they're gonna do yeah, that thing, gonna do and you're gonna thing. learn that there. So so it's both. It's it's both nature and nurture that you can learn that you're able to to be an entrepreneur, I think. Are um, you planting those seeds with your young ones now? Yeah, I think so. Both my wife and I um, are sort of modeling, and I think in the world we live in today, it's not just like, there aren't just like five jobs that you, <laughs> that you <laughs> there's so many jobs now, yeah. there's so many types of businesses, yeah. there's so many opportunities out there. Um, so I definitely think we're modeling that for our kids okay. um, in the modern world to go for what you want and that it's hard and, yeah, you know, progress is not, uh, you know, a straight line. It's not always clean. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's messy. Sometimes you have excuses and you get into arguments. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's it, the, the process can be messy, but the result yeah. is awesome if you stick with it. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of businesses, we love your company name, The Catalyst Cradle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I was like, I guess um, we're, a friend of mine is like, you know, like branding. And I, uh, I asked him for a lot of help. I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, what do I call this? I don't want to just call it like Josh Klein Coaching. I want to like have like a name. And when I graduated my coaching program, my um, senior, the senior leader of the program, shout out, Shout out Mark Hunter. Can I shout out? Of course. Of go course. ahead. I feel like I'm on a podcast. I got to shout out. <laughs> Good. Shout out to Mark Hunter. Hey. Um, this guy, I'm just like totally in awe of this of, of this guy. And he um, he gave me this like really awesome acknowledgement when I graduated. And, and one of the things he said was like, when you talk to me, when you talk to anyone, we feel cradled by you like not infantilized like we feel held by you we feel safe 
when we engage with you. Wow, that's and a I was huge like, compliment. yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, and and one, I was very humbled by it, and at the same time, I was like, I I do do that. <laughs> I could own it. I could like, really own yourself that. on the back. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not own it? And I was like. So when I was coming up with these names, I was like, I was like, oh, something cradle. I like c- cradle, and then also this concept of being a catalyst for people, right? Mm-hmm. Like being, not that I'm changing them, that they're changing themselves. They're having this transformation, but I'm just sort of a, in the in the chemical world, I'm a catalyst for that. Yeah. So I just sort of put it together. It sounded like cats in the cradle, cat- <laughs> catalyst cradle. So I just really like that, and um, um, this guy who 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 I got like uh, branding advice from. Um, shout out, <laughs> to, shout out, to, shout out, Dave Hurwitz. <laughs> yes. And then my friend, who's an artist, uh, um, he actually probably doesn't. I want to shout him out anyway. He doesn't like to be shouted out. I'm going to do it anyway because I like to acknowledge people, and he deserves it. <laughs> um, Matt Fried, who's a uh, uh, amazing designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, hey, you know, let's do two moons because they're crescent moons because they're CCs and like. Uh, catalyst, you know, CC for catalyst cradle, and one moon is cradling the other moon. So it was like, I don't know, I got really into it. I don't really get to brand anything. So it was really exciting for me. And then I wanted to put a little man on the moon, cats and cradles. So it was, uh, and then they were like, chill. <laughs> they were like, you're, they were like You've done, we've done enough. <laughs> you've done enough. Good job. Speaking of, can you let us know a little bit about the work that you do with corporations and what you set out to accomplish once you are brought in? Yeah, absolutely. So how you make this catalyst happen? So <laughs> the how I so the how I don't even know if I could speak to that. The these what corporations want it's it's a combination. So they may still want like individual one-on-one coaching. Okay. Just like I would do with my regular clients. Yeah. It's just that the the corporation pays for it. Yeah. Um the or and or uh team dynamics um, work group workshops, things mm-hmm. like that. So that's it, it's really what I offer is bespoke to um, to the client. Okay. Whatever they're looking to do, if it's just a few people, if it's a lot of people, um, whatever that is that okay. they're working on. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it definitely does answer our question. So, what what's been the greatest accomplishment or something you're really most proud of in your coaching career? There was this one time someone wrote this like Facebook status, <laughs> this like gushing Facebook status. They did not name drop me, but they were just like, I spoke, I, I had a conversation with this coach and like so, all this value, but I, I, I don't even know, but this person got so much value. Mm-hmm. They like posted this just really juicy post and what it means to them and who they are and who they get to be it was super powerful Mm -hmm. and my wife saw it and was like this is they're talking about you (laughs) like that's you yeah and just like the look in her face because i don't know sometimes i like really just sort of downplay like i don't know as much as i can own things sometimes i also just downplay things yeah and I'm just like, yeah, well, that was cool. You're a humble being. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe it's, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And seeing her face and her excitement and her pride was very, so it, it was like the combination of this two. This person was so massively affected by, yeah. uh, by me. And she witnessed it because a lot of what I do, people don't witness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. for them. And, and I get value out of it. I get a value out of making a difference for these people or, and, and their appreciation feels really good, yeah. right? So for him to sort of anonymously acknowledge me, but then my wife to know it, see it. I didn't even see it at first. Mm-hmm. She saw it, told me about it, read it to me. Yeah. She's like, that's you. You did this for this person. Mm-hmm. And she was just so proud. And, you know, to get that from my wife in combination from this person was just like super meaningful. And I couldn't, you know, avoid I couldn't. Yeah, it was avo- a moment. I couldn't downplay it. I couldn't yeah. avoid that. It was really something for me to like soak up, and it stuck with me. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of, what is your success rate with helping your clients reach their full potential? My success rate. So. How do you gauge how well you're doing with the client, and you're working for them to reach to that point? So. It's very. It's very qualitative. Uh-huh. Okay. 
and on a simpler level, you know, there it is quantitative in the sense that, like, if I could simplify it, they have results that they want to achieve. Did they achieve it or not? Yeah. So when people stop working with me, they typically have gotten to their goal or like some version of it that they are like, OK, I'm good. <laughs> and they're like, I want to, you know, I want to move, move forward okay. um, uh, without, without you. Okay. <laughs> so um, does that hurt your feelings at all? No, it's it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm I'm I love people work with me because they see value in it for themselves. OK. Not just with me. It's really for them. They're like, yes, this works for me. Yeah. And coaching in general and I think specifically to whatever style that I bring to it yeah so people when they what I call complete with me yeah. when they complete with me more so than finish um, that when you're complete that you are really you have let go and moved forward yeah um, as a coaching uh, way I relate to another coaching term no that's fine um, to not just finish but to actually be complete it's a state of being to be complete about something mm-hmm. that they've really achieved what they've wanted so i guess to answer your question a hundred percent yeah hundred percent but it's really it's 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 yeah it's like checking boxes you know it's like yeah this is this is what i wanted or i've achieved some other version of it that meets like my greater commitment yeah Yeah. our specific goals are a lot of times in service of something greater yeah Uh, and like even if we don't hit that specific goal maybe we like still achieved our our why or what for yeah like what we were doing that thing for okay depending on what it is yeah i'll make this because coaching is super amorphous like this whole we're talking about something that like it doesn't (laughs) if you're listening and you're like what (laughs) do this do a sample session with me and you'll get it the experience of it is like ah that's what this is as opposed to just like me talking about it yeah yeah so what I will say, if I can make this, if I could simplify it, again, in the physical world, mm-hmm. as an analogy, you work with a personal trainer. You're like, I want to lose 60 pounds in six months. Okay. 10 pounds a month mm-hmm. on average, right? Yeah. Cool. If you lose 59 pounds in six months, mm-hmm. did you fail? Did that personal trainer not, uh, does that affect his quote unquote, as you put, a success rate? Did they fail? I would say no. Like, even though you, you may have not hit the exact number, I would say there was a feeling and just a way of being that you wanted to have through losing that weight. And if you got to fifty nine pounds, I would say you it was successful. But yeah. it, but then if you're looking at it just specific numbers, I do think things like that kind of shift and change as you go over as as exactly. time passes. So yeah. So that's what I mean by a specific goal. Because okay. a lot of our specific goals are in service of something greater. Yeah. So in the so I love using weight and the gym because it's numbers and it's yeah. super specific mm-hmm. and it's not some esoteric, amorphous yeah. conversation yeah. <laughs> like no, that, that is involved with coaching. Mm-hmm. Their why, that's another thing that coaches talk about, are very Tony Robbins-y. Why do you yeah. do this? Why are you doing this? What for? Mm-hmm. Well, someone who's losing 60 pounds, what is that for? They want to look good. They want to feel good. Mm-hmm. There's some why that they're doing this. They want to model health and wellness for their family. They want to achieve some sort of challenges. These are the whys mm-hmm. of why someone is doing it. I don't, I don't, whatever their whys are. Yeah. Hitting 59 pounds will achieve your why. Yeah. So it's just putting a number on it, setting a goal. You have to set numbers. You have to set goals that are specific because that is motivating. So you have those specific things. But really, at the end of the day, if you hit 59 pounds, maybe even 58 pounds, maybe 57 and a half pounds, like it doesn't matter. Okay. These people are looking good. They're feeling good. They're achieving that thing that they wanted to achieve. And maybe if they're still really, they still really want to hit that 60, maybe they'll do a few more weeks. Right? It's like... We can play with the numbers, but they're hitting that thing that they, the the overall commitment. They're not really committed to the 60 pounds. They're committed to something greater, feeling good, looking good, health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where my success rate is 100% because cool. they're getting that thing that they, re- that they really and truly want. Not, yeah. maybe that speci- not maybe that specific thing that they wrote down, but their why for that. No. Okay. Cool. Nice. I love I'm, that. 
I do. Thanks. <laughs> um, where do you see your business five and ten years down the road? Um, so, so I work with a lot of dads. I, you know, I talk about being a father, and I'm. It's a huge deal for me, and I have this place in my heart and this big uh, passion and commitment for dads. And um, they are a number of the clients that I work with, but I work with all sorts of all sorts of people. Yeah, men, women who don't have children, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. don't have children. Um, five to ten years, I want to be the dad coach i want to be ex- like the guy the in the guy. space okay that people are like and it's not like i'm coaching you on being a dad yeah that's just just being a dad is just a ticket to get in yeah. we're talking about your business we're talking about uh your your hobbies we're talking about whatever it is yeah that you want to balance balancing all these things when you become a father balancing and juggling yeah. all these things becomes yeah. more of a challenge mm-hmm. so I want to be the guy in the space where all my clients are basically dads, um, having individual clients that are dads, dad groups that okay. I'm coaching entire groups of people, uh, either in person or via video, um, and they're all dads. Yeah. Um, and as well as that corporate practice, really like expanding and okay. having a number of corporate clients, and even integrating the two, maybe some cons, you know, because um, uh, maternity leave. Uh, and paternity leave, mm-hmm. so many corporations, they're more employee focused now. They yeah. value their employees. They, they value their well-being. So they've put in the, the corporate culture yeah. uh, things that empower them. Yeah. And that's part of what I'm committed to in the corporate world is, is uh, um, building that culture and uh, as well as building connection and, and, and cultivate, uh, cultivating connection and communication mm-hmm. uh, in the corporate world so as to uh, inform their effectiveness and, and productivity as yeah. well. That it's not just like, oh, this is nice. We want people to feel good. No, we want them to feel good so as to be more productive and effective. Right. Okay. Um, so I want to be doing that more. And maybe there's an opportunity to integrate the the father aspect to it that, okay. you know, for dads uh, and parents yeah. uh, in the workplace. So I don't even know what that looks like. Okay. You have a vision. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Can you tell us about how do you balance everything that you've got going on on top of your career, your fatherhood, and just maintaining a social life? Like, how do you keep maintain that balance with all the, all these things that you've got going on? I'm not sure I do balance it. <laughs> um, You're just winging it. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, there's no, we were talking about, like, um, the messiness of process. Okay. So I don't know if I'm doing this right. I really don't. I think, I want to say it was like Shonda Rhimes, I think. Someone was like, how do you do, like, I've, you know, I'm super proud of myself and what, I, what I'm doing. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes is like killing it, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, she, people are like, how do you do it? And, I, and she was like, oh, you should see, like, you should see what it looks like behind the scenes yeah. with my family and with like all the things that I have going on yeah. to achieve that. And she's got the same hours in the day that you have, same yeah. hours in the day as me. So it's, I guess, similar to what we were saying before, it's, it's not the how, it's the why. Yeah. You know, why am I doing all this? I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my wife. I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this to fulfill my needs. This, you know, being with my wife, being with my kids, coaching, this all serves my well-being. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's not just work. It's something that I crave. So... I don't know how I do it. I, I, um, I, if anything, I put rituals and routines into place to support it. Okay. I definitely put rituals and routine in. Such uh, as? Um, I, well, one thing, even before I even put these rituals and routines in, is I use a schedule and I relate to my schedule as gold. Okay non-negotiable okay because sometimes i feel like doing other things (laughs) and if i plan my schedule the day before Mm -hmm. and then no matter what if it no matter what happens the next day yeah that i mean obviously there's curveballs and i have to adjust accordingly Uh but 
I'm not going to sabotage my day and be like, well, I don't really feel like doing this. Yeah. Or I don't want to do that. In the morning, I wake up, stretch, make the bed, um, pray, mm-hmm. um, uh, do these things like uh, clearing and completion. Okay. As I was saying before, being complete, right? Yeah. Um, I get complete about things that I'm incomplete about. I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> it's, uh, but these are things that I put in the, in the day. Clearing and completion gets all the garbage out of my head. Pete was talking about how, like, when we would connect in the morning, he would just yeah. get all the garbage out of his head. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we wake up with a bunch of junk in our head, a bunch of stories, a bunch of. Yeah. Can we curse on this show? Of course. Bunch not of bullshit. Apologetic. <laughs> yeah, bunch Go ahead. Yeah, be, bullshit. <laughs> say that loud Unapolo- and proud, honey. Unapologetic. We here. Um, <laughs> it's a, you know, there's a bunch of bullshit in our heads, and. So I put that into place to get all the stories out of my head. I, I can't do it today. I don't want to yeah. do it today. Whatever that, whatever that thing is. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I exercise. You know, midday. I like to do it midday. I don't like mm-hmm. to do it in the morning because I usually exercise at the point that I get tired. So if I did it in okay. the morning, it wouldn't be good. So that's a part of your self care ritual. Yes, Work. exactly, okay. cool. exactly. So I just. Um, I put rituals and, te- and routines into place, you know, five o'clock. Yeah. F- uh, phone down, uh, be with the kids. Okay. Right. I put all these things into place that support me and I put them in my schedule and then relate to my schedule as non-negotiable because if your schedule is negotiable, what's the, what's the point of it? Yeah. That's then true. You're just, then you're just doing whatever you want to do. Yeah. So that, I think, has been really huge for me. In the concept of relating to your schedule as gold has been huge for me. Yeah. So I recommend that to anybody. Um, if you're up to, if you're doing a lot, mm-hmm. um, schedule it, and obviously yeah. leave some space for curveballs. All right, cool. And what advice can you give to someone who is considering becoming a life coach? Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Oh. There's, I don't think there's anybody that's like, mm, I shouldn't have done this. Is there this. like a formula and stuff? What procedures should they take to kind of pursue it? Or You should look into processes for becoming it. It's a very new field. The International Coaching Federation is a governing body that is like 20 years old, 20 plus years old. So it's not that long, not that old. Okay. You know, in the 80s, people were consultants. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can hire a consultant, you can hire a coach. Coaching in, in the grand scheme of things is is very new. And we, we've been talking a lot about, about things. It's a very amorphous conversation, but there's ways that you can, you know, if you go to a coaching program, I invite people to look up coaching programs. I brought I brought Pete to uh, visit my coaching program with me just to like check out the conversation. I graduated from the shout out to <laughs> Accomplishment Coaching, which is okay. in multiple cities, but they have two programs in New York City. Um, so you can do, there's one in D.C., there's a few out west. I want to say there's some in Canada. Uh, I apologize to my, my Accomplishment Coaching colleagues, um, friends of mine who are still involved and are mentors and leaders there. Uh, if I don't get the the exact locations, but there's a number of places wherever you are. I had a guy from Bermuda in my New York class, so okay. you know, if this is something you want to do, um, you can make it work. And and some people who the thing is, it's like oh, you become a life coach, like that's it. Like no, like I can. Yeah. There's other things that you can do. You can integrate coaching into whatever else it is that you're up to. It's yeah. Really, it's really leadership training. Like they have these things like landmark and what, whatever. These are le- yeah. how do you, how do you cultivate your highest and best self? Mm-hmm. My training program specifically trains you not only in leadership but like creating a coaching business. So okay. it's very specific to coaches if you want to have that. And there were some people in my class that were just like I don't know. They were like kind of on the fence about it. They they were really there for the leadership training, but. Um, if it's very coach specific, so if you're like, I want to be a life coach, check out Accomplishment Coaching and do other research. Yeah. And and Accomplishment Coaching has observation sessions. You can come in for free, and watch these people coach oh, each good. other. It's pretty cool. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. So we gotta ask this question because you're on the show. So depression, anxiety, suicide—they're really more present than ever in our society, especially with like the advent of social media. What advice would you give someone who's dealing with depression or entertaining thoughts of suicide? Um, great question. So 
that's something is that something you guys talk about a lot yeah on show? we do talk about that a lot oh, that's great that's really great um so that's definitely something that a therapist would handle mm-hmm. um I'm not saying that you can't come to me or any coach about it. You can go to any, I invite you if you are suffering from depression, are you contemplating suicide? The commonality is feeling alone. Yeah. The Why I love coaching people is because it's really such an honest and open and vulnerable conversation. And it's really how people connect. I mean, the three of us, we're connecting right yeah. now. We're connecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not alone. Mm -hmm. And so many of us feel alone when you talk about social media, right? It's like, oh, we're connecting. No, we're not. (laughs) We're not. There's, I mean, there's some beautiful aspects to social media that give us access to connect with people across the world or to, you know, to uh, um, have a revolution in Egypt, right? You know, like there's so, there is good that comes out of it, but there's also, you can separate yourself from the world. Mm Mm-hmm. So my advice, my invitation is to connect with someone, is to share it with someone. There is a suicide hotline. If you don't want to talk to someone you know, some people prefer to talk to people they know. Find someone you know. Find a friend. Find a confidant. I want people to just know that they're not alone. So many of us are connected by the fact, (laughs) so many of us are connected by our loneliness and our aloneness. You are not alone in feeling alone. People, so many people feel alone. And if it's really crossed the threshold that you can no longer take it, you have to share it with someone. Find someone. If if you can't talk to someone you know, talk to a stranger. If you don't want to talk to a stranger, talk to someone you know. There's so much out there, and I know if you don't, be- you may not believe it. Yeah. You may not trust in it. Take the leap to connect with someone and mm-hmm. share and be vulnerable with how you feel. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, share it with mm-hmm. someone people are available for you people's hearts are available yeah Ooh, i love that i like that yeah i like the way you said that it's really dope so in our recent episode no better do better we discussed nike endorsing kaepernick for their 30th just do it campaign and there was a lot of backlash surrounding the the new deal what was your take on it all right now we're getting into good stuff <laughs> <laughs> um Shout out to Nike, by the way. Shout out to Nike. <laughs> Since we're giving shout, shout out. Just shout it. out to Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> so it's funny. As a coach, I'm, I really stay um, unbiased and, 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 and accepting of whatever people, whatever people talk about. Um, I totally support what they did, they being Nike. You know, they're a corporation, and this is a moneymaker. Um, but... They chose to be what is, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, to be on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. This has happened before. Mm -hmm. Yes. Muhammad Ali did this. Yeah. John Carlos did this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, and people, you know, I I am not saying that Colin Kaepernick is the Muhammad Ali of football, but... He has taken a sta- uh, taken a stand. He actually did the opposite, <laughs> <laughs> and he is metaphorically standing for something. And we, God, we get so wrapped up and and in all these contextual things, and it's it, it's it just seems it's just uh, it, it's hard to under. This is pretty coachy. Um, it's the it's um. A lot of what I do with a lot of clients is like get down into the facts. Yeah. What is so? Mm-hmm. He took a knee. Actually, at first he just sat. Yeah. And then he, a, a Green Beret or somebody like spoke to him and was like, hey, it was kind of disrespectful. But he like wanted to get to know him. He was like, hey, what, you know, what's this about? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing this, you know, because I'm, um, you know, police are murdering innocent black people. Yeah. And I can't stand by and watch this. So I'm using this as my, my status as a platform. And he was like, and Colin Kaepernick was like, how do I, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody, but I do. You know, I'm not going to stop doing this because feelings were hurt. Yeah. But I do want to respect troops. Yeah. How do I integrate? Like, how, how do I do both? Mm-hmm. And 
so there's, you know, Muhammad Ali and John Carlos never asked that. They never were like, well, how can I like actually do this in a way that might satisfy both sides? And it didn't really yeah. matter. It didn't really matter because the yeah. fact that he did this, people were just it's like, oh. problematic as it is. So it's the concept of applying meaning where we have, we, you ever hear people say like this is I'm speaking my truth. Yeah. Well, how is that your you know truth is truth is truth. How's that your truth is not my truth. Truth is because we say alternative facts. There's no alternative <laughs> facts. Facts are facts. <laughs> but there really are alternative truths. Like my truth is different from your yeah. truth is different from your truth like and we apply meaning to things. Mm-hmm. Him kneeling means this. It means that. You know, and he says, "Well, I'm doing this. This me. This is what it means to me." Mm-hmm. So it's this, this, it's this argument of applying meaning. Um, so that's what like it convolutes the whole, the whole. You know, there's ten years ago they didn't even have the national anthem. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, so it's like there's there's so much context to it. Um, but if I can simplify it, it's really. I'm sorry. I get so you ask no, me no, these questions fine. and I get. That's <laughs> but no, you're doing lo- good. You're doing real good. It's perfectly fine. It's crazy to me because I forget, you know, if we talk about what this is about, and if you're more offended by feelings than life, you have to check yourself. You have yeah. to recheck what this is about. We're talking about feelings, yeah. right? Troops are important. Mm-hmm. Troops are important. Yeah. You know? Black people are important. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if you've heard, but Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's to worry about people being offended and not worry about people's lives. Yeah, it's like let, let's just distill it down to that, mm-hmm. right? You know, we could to even argue whether it's disrespectful or not to the troops. Like that's an argument. Is this disrespectful to troops? Let's say it is. Yeah. Okay, it is. Okay, you, it is. It's yeah. disrespectful to troops. What about people who are getting killed? Basically. <laughs> so, you know, it's and like. troops have came forward and said they're actually not disrespected by what's happening. So it's well, like. Both, a, both yeah. you know, troops are people too. Yeah. So they're, some some of them are like, uh, you know, this is what we fight for, for yeah. people to be able to protest. And some troops are like, you know, I, my friends died for this country yeah. and they're disrespecting this. Yeah. It's how we apply meaning. Yeah. It's how we apply meaning. It's their truth versus their truth. Mm-hmm. We could completely dissolve that argument, and let's say you're right. It yeah. is disrespectful to troops. You know, who cares about their... It's not that who cares about their feelings, but how are lives being compared to feelings? Yeah. that That's a great point. No, that's true. Seriously. Very much so. And since we're on the I'm topic shrugging. Of, you can't no. see me shrugging. I'm shrugging right now. It's like, uh, what else can I say? Since we're on the topic about this in terms of police brutality on black and brown people, so have you or do you plan, if you haven't already, did you have the conversation with your kids about police interactions as of yet? I have not. Do you plan on having that conversation? Yes. I think more about the... There's there's so many conversations to have with kids. This is true. And I don't know if I need to have them proactively or wait till something happens. The one I think about the most is like death. Yeah. When do I explain death to them? Yeah. And my oldest, she's like, where is your, where are your grandparents? I know my grandparents. Where are your grandparents? So I have, you know, I learned about death when it happened. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I have no concept. Yeah. You know, uh, they're in preschool, so they have like firemen and police officers come. Yeah. And they, you know, they, I, I think they, my experience of it is that they relate to them as someone that you can go to if you're, if it, uh, these are the strangers to go to. Yeah. That if they're in a police uniform, you, they can help. They're here to help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, they are people that you don't mess with. I feel like that's an experience you get as a child. These people are here to help, and you don't mess with them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, when I put my kids in the car, and if they're fighting, getting in the car seat, I say, "You want me to go ask? You want me to go ask the police officer? Yeah. Come help." And they're like, "Okay, I'll sit. I'll yeah. sit." <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's like it's kind of th- threatening. Still at that age. Yeah. But it's like it's not based on you know. I didn't understand till later that these people are imperfect. Yeah. That just because you wear the badge doesn't mean that you are this beacon, that the person behind it is a good person. You know, there are cops that are just in any demographic, in any job, there are people that are great. And then there are people that are, that are not great. Yeah. And 
you know, it's, um, I hope that they can maintain the concept that they have of them because at some point it gets, I guess it gets broken. My wife and I were looking, <laughs> sorry, I spiral. I go off on no, tangents. No, it's fine. My wife and I were looking and I know cops. I know some cops and yeah. friends, uh, friends who are cops. They're great people. And, 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 and they, you know, it's like they've gone through training. They've seen some things that like we haven't seen there, they, but at the same time, like we, they have to be held a higher standard. They have to be trained in a certain way. They have to have training that's unbiased. Yeah. Um, and biases permeate everything. Yeah. Like every, everywhere. My my wife and I were looking for a house, and we looked at this one house, and there was a, um, cop car next door, and my wife's like. Oh, we'd be living next to a cop. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, we'd be living next to a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's, and that's my own bias. Like, it's, yeah. is it informed by the stat of what's happening in the world? Yeah. And it's also informed by that I used to party in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I used to avoid cops. I used yeah. to drive fast. I used to, you know what I mean? Like, I, so it's not that I'm right. It's just, yeah. it's just a bias. But I, I hope that, that the way things go can be, that they're held to a higher, higher standard and that they can be trained in a way that, that they don't, um, cops need to be tougher. You yeah. know, they need to be able to not be afraid of people that they react in a certain way. Yeah. They have to be trained to handle these situations and not have these bias, these biases. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I'm glad you spoke to that. And just to kind of end on this note, um, how do you want your kids to perceive police officers despite what's going on in black and brown communities when they grow up? Do you want them to be activists? <laughs> you know, I want them, I want them to be, to, to find their truths and to stand for it regardless of the backlash. Yeah. You know, people are afraid to do what Colin Kaepernick did. You know, it's like I agree with them. And I watch the NFL. Yeah. You know, I think what the NFL does, the way they handle things as a corporation, the way that they've allowed the president to get involved, I think it's atrocious. Yeah. I th- you know, the fact that all of a sudden like, I'm looking at these sports corporations in a totally different light. And uh, we throw around cult- uh, conservative and liberal and it's like oh my, on people like way too much now. Yeah. And now there's even corporations that almost fit into those molds where I yeah. almost feel like that, like, Dad. like I feel like, like the NBA is becoming more liberal and then that feels, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how are you subscribing? Why are yeah. you subscribing to this? A lot is going on. <laughs> you know, why do yeah. you subscribe to, to, to these, um, factions or uh-huh. whatever, to these labels? Um, I hope that my kids just find their truth and stand up for it regardless of the backlash. Okay. Yeah. So I and I and I hope that they they have an easier time. They're white. They will grow up to be white women, whether they yeah. like to or not. Yeah. So they have an easier time trusting police. Yeah. They have an easier time. But I'm glad that you pointed that out in terms of them growing up to be white women, in terms of them understanding their privilege. Will you be having that conversation with them as they get older? Yeah, absolutely. So they're cognizant of where they stand in society. Absolutely, absolutely. They, um, they need to know that. I, I, I want them to surround themselves with people who are different so they can access that because I can tell them about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, t- you know, I've been telling people about coaching. Like I could tell you about it, but yeah. it's, the experience of it will really clue you into it. I, I, I can only speak to my understanding and empathy. Of the black experience is because I'm from Baltimore. Yeah. I'm from Baltimore. Yeah. My best friend's black. Not yeah. even like as like a card to pull. Like, oh, my yeah. best friend's black. <laughs> yeah. He's literally a black guy. Yeah. I have access to it and I, I can never I can never fully understand it. I can never feel, maybe as a Jew I have empathy as being a minority and understanding oppression, but it's different. Yeah. It's different. My ancestors came here by choice. It's different. So yeah. like even though Slavery wasn't a choice. Right. So I'm glad you pointed that out. There's a choice. Just cool. <laughs> not, that anyone, not that anyone said that. But yeah. Even, no. You know, even even to just come here before they even became slaves, even just yeah. to come here, black people are the only, and I guess maybe Native Americans too, but they're the only citizens who who aren't immigrants. Yeah. So, you know, my story is different. Mm-hmm. The, the the Jewish story and the struggle is different. Yeah. Um, but maybe because it was a struggle that I have empathy. For other people, because I was surrounded by 
um, by black people growing up that I have empathy and some access to, uh, into somewhat understanding that. So yeah. I hope to impart that both the Jewish perspective as well as um, um, surrounding them in different people so that they can understand that and, and, and have empathy for people. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, that's I like awesome. That. Well, Josh, thank Perfect you ending. so much for coming on. Yes. Did I hit the gem quota? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. You, 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 you were, you just got over with that last one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> or even, even if I, even if it was like ten and maybe I hit nine, I still hit the the why exactly. for the yeah. gems, exactly. the exactly. overall commitment. Yeah, no, it was good. You did a great job. <laughs> Making a difference. Feel complete. This for is your, good. For your, you feel complete? Are you yes. complete about it? Yes. All right, I you get it. it. See how we're bringing it back. Oh, nice. You guys get it. <laughs> Awesome. So can you let our listeners know where they can connect with you, where they can find you, if they want to work with you? Absolutely. So um, you can email me at josh at thecatalystcradle.com. You can check out my website, thecatalystcradle.com, to get more information about it. Um, that is really it. Check me out on Instagram. Instagram plug. <laughs> My Instagram account is more comedic. I, 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 it's called uh, Welcome to the Number Two Father Dumb. And it's not Father Dumb D O M, it's D U M B. Welcome to Father Dumb. So it's just uh, silly uh, dad videos, m- memes, some stuff that I reposted, some stuff from my own family. Um, if you want to just let, if you're, especially if you're a parent, but uh, either way, uh, just silly parenting type jokes. So, uh, Josh at thecatalystcradle.com. Check my website, The Catalyst Cradle, or at welcome to the number two father dumb if you want a good dad laugh. Nice. Hashtag dad. Hashtag dad jokes. <laughs> hashtag adulting. Hashtag adulting. That's me adulting. Uh, thank you so much again, Josh. And we'll definitely plug your website, the Instagram, so our few our viewers can connect with you that way as well in the show notes cool thank you guys so much for having me you guys do such a great job and and when i said before that we did something before we had like a little prayer moment and it was really really nice it was a super way i was sort of like getting myself clear and complete to come on the show but the fact that you had that as a structure for yourselves as well as for me it was really nice and I, i appreciate you guys what you're up to uh, with uh, with this podcast, not only just interviewing me and supporting supporting your audiences, but something greater than that and making a difference uh, socially. So Thank you so much. It means a keep lot. It, keep yeah, it up. Seriously. It definitely yeah. means a lot with all the work that we're doing, and also to we set the we kind of set the mood and the tone with the prayer. I think it's very important. And it kind of calms me down because I get very nervous when we have guests on our show. You don't see it, <laughs> but I feel it inside. Yeah, good for you. So I like to be calm, cool, and collective throughout. So thank you so much. Yeah, yes. thank you for having me. This was awesome. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. So once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to the iTunes store for Apple users and the Tune store for Android users to purchase the unapologetically different ringtone playing in the background, all silky smooth in your ears. Oh, nice and sexy. Yes. <laughs> and you can also interact with us via our social media. Our Instagram and Twitter handle is unapologetic D underscore. And you can find us on Facebook by searching unapologetically different. Lastly, you can find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.